can you cast your mind back to January 2021? When I do that, I just can't get the Simon and Garfunkel song, Hazy Shade of Winter, out of my head. And that's because I'm now associating it with time. And in the sense that in January 2021, we were still in the middle of the pandemic. And of course, behavior change and behavioral science and the demand for behavior change marketing based campaigns was at its height. You know, it's massive peak. And so we ran a survey called Help, I am not a behavioral scientist, get me out of here. Across public sector comms, NHS, local government, fire, police, and asked what are your biggest challenges and how confident are you feeling? in delivering communications-based messaging using applying behavioural science. And also interchangeably in there, people do associate social marketing with that because that, again, is a process that does enact change. So the overwhelming theme that came back was time. We had just over 100 responses and we were delighted about that. And whether people were saying, yes, I'm confident, I've been doing it a couple of years, or whether people are going, I never heard of it before. What's this huge demand? What is it? Wherever they were coming from, everyone was saying they just had no time to actually do it, whether to learn it or whether to actually apply it to the standards that they wanted. So time just was the biggest, biggest factor, the biggest barrier. And so to help support that, we started doing the running the podcast and sort of doing conversational style interviews and some more fact forming ones. And to build on that need and to really respond to the survey, we've now running what we call, dun, 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 drum roll please. We've got the Busy Communicator's Guide to Behavioural Science. So this is going to be um, some core worksheets that will be made available to you for your CPD for free. But excitingly, we're going to lead with audio learning. It's a really popular style of learning. And so we're going to chunk it down in good old behavioural science fashion. So today we're going to kickstart our Busy Communicator's Guide to behavioral science and we're going to focus in on prospect theory and actually we're going to have some fun so you can even sneak in watching a few quiz programs as your cpd based on the back of this learning so yeah let's dive straight in you're listening to the behavior change marketing Bootcamp podcast for people passionate about making a positive change We believe understanding your audience is the key to maximum impact, and behavioral science takes this to a whole new level. Join your host, Ruth Dale, and expert guests to explore biases, beliefs, why we do what we do, and why we don't do what we said we would do. Okay, so welcome to the Busy Communicator's Guide to Prospect Theory. Now, we're going to do a very short overview on this. Clearly, we can't fit everything in. And what I've done is I've taken out the most salient points that I feel are most useful for us in our profession. But I will put in the show notes lots of links to more detailed conversations and more detailed reading for you. But I just want to highlight that I don't think there's going to be anything in here that you don't already know. But I think the penny will drop as to why those things happen. As a communicator, you already know that things need to be really salient. We need to break through the noise. And so prospect theory is just a little bit about the science as to why. And it's really good because if you were ever tempted to err away from these gut feelings you've got, I'd say 
as a marketer, stick with your gut and there's some science behind it. So hopefully do prepare for some penny drop moments as we go through. And I'd like to start now with taking your mind back 300 years. So if this was a history book, we would be big chapter, the end of the rational era, 300 years of rule. And a heralded mathematician called Daniel Bernali, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but he's a Swiss genius. He espouses a theory called utility theory to understand how humans make decisions based on risk. Little do you know, standing in this beautiful Swiss court in 1738, that this theory would come to dominate the Western world of economics for over 300 years. So to reduce years of complex research and modelling down to one sentence, basically the utility theory was that we, as in humans, you and me, will make decisions primarily to avoid loss and these decisions would be useful or have utility. So they would be in our best interests a.k.a. rational. So now just close your eyes for a moment and imagine the BBC newsreaders from the 1950s. You can hear this premise in action, the driving force behind the tone, behind the delivery of the news. You know, it was very much, I'm sharing with you some information with the expectation that you will take it seriously and apply it sensibly. There definitely was this sense of, here's the information, now make a very sensible, rational decision. But of course, you know, it doesn't sound very human to me and probably not yourself. So let's jump forward to the 1970s. And not only is the first female prime minister being elected, the Walkman has taken the world by storm. And interestingly, in 1979, the UK public sector workers were on strike. They were demanding a £60 a week minimum wage and a 35-hour work week. (gasps) So whilst all that's going on, a revolutionary new economic theory has arrived that basically ends this 300-year rule of the rational. And this is what, imagine that history book again, big chapter title, The Rise of the Irrational Prospect Theory. And this is the one that we can use and apply to to up-level our marketing comms and make some easy wins, especially when delivering in-house. This theory is called Prospect Theory, and it is the work of two geniuses, Nobel laureate Daniel Kahneman and his colleague Amos Tversky. And it signaled a huge paradigm shift that has continued to grow in strength to this day. And essentially, I like to call it the beating heart of behavioral science. And again, to really drill down to years worth of complex research and maths modeling, and they continued working on this until 1992. So literally years and years, decades of work into one sentence. It basically says that we, yes, humans, you and me, We are irrational and we don't always make the best decision in favour of utility. So it sounds obvious, right? You're like, yeah, how is this revolutionary? What's really important is it really truly was. This is a huge paradigm shift. And if we take a moment just to pause and reflect on that, and if you think about your work, 
and the amount of requests that come in for you to sprinkle your fairy dust of magic. And I say that because I know it's cringeworthy and I know it's so hated in the comms world. And it's sort of, it's mentioned in Headspace a lot. And we talked about it, comms camp. There's no such thing as comms fairy dust. But if you think about all the incoming requests, there is so often this rational assumption that comes with them that please share this information. Yes, make it fun and lively, but please share this information with the expectation that the audience will hear it and do what is expected, a normally a rational assumption. So yes, it's a huge paradigm shift, but it's still a baby. We've gone from 300 years to 1979. I am older than this theory. I was born in 1975, so not by much, but still in the terms of science, looking at it, it's a, it's a young theory. And it's still growing and evolving today, which is why behavioral science is just exploding. The research industry is just, is huge and it's growing a lot. So, but this is a cornerstone theory, which you can, if you learn and understand, you can be really confident in applying. So, of course, it is slightly more complex than that one sentence. And I think I'm going to share with you three concepts that break it down quite nicely and from an audience perspective. So using these concepts when you're planning your messaging or planning your campaigns. And one is your audience wants certainty. Loss aversion is huge. It's absolutely massive. And it sort of is the golden thread that runs through utility theory and prospect theory. And I'm going to speak about it again in a minute. And it's already had its own dedicated podcast episode. But your audience wants certainty of avoidance of loss. And your audience will take greater risks to achieve that. You're thinking, you know, the more people lose, the more people are likely to actually take greater risks to avoid the loss because they've got nothing left to lose. And if we think about the national smoking campaigns, been running, gosh, for well over a decade. I know I worked on them for 15 years, I think. And we've talked about it before, but one absolute genius move that they started using, gosh, a while back, probably familiar to everyone, is that they do say that you are much more likely to quit using the service and they even have a number. So is it 2.5? But anyway, they have a guarantee. They say you are much more likely to achieve your goal. And this is really important, especially when you're asking someone to lose so much. When you quit smoking, and I am talking as an ex-smoker, but you don't just give up the physical stuff. You give up, it's a huge psychological loss. So actually you have to make sure that the gain's going to work and we've already probably tried to quit at least eight or nine times so understanding that certainty is absolutely a key motivating message okay and then the nice fun one if you think about it just in products when you're buying a tv you know they might say yes we guarantee you can watch endless streaming of Netflix on our TV. Absolutely wonderful. Cinema, surround sound. And if you don't, bring it back. No questions asked. Okay, this is great. Might spend my money if I don't like it. There's no loss here. And this is really closely linked as well to the endowment effect, which we will come on to on a later episode, which just talks about the importance of getting people to trial and use your information. The second is isolation effect. 
no surprises to anyone here that salience is essential. Prospect theory just explained that we as humans focus on differences more than we do similarities. So, you know, think of the matrix and the girl in the red dress, just such an easy example. Very salient, very obvious, and everyone goes and looks. But you know that already to break through the noise, you need to be as salient as possible. So for me, as a marketer, I like this because it brings out the role of the other elements of communication. So it brings out the role of the actual product, of design, of packaging, and all these other intrinsic parts that actually will take go a long way to reaching your goal. So the other one is loss aversion. Loss aversion looms larger than gains. Our fear of loss is at least two and a half times greater than our joy of the game. So this was Tversky's and Kahneman's research. And yes, it is applied in varying degrees, but it does remain consistent across everyone. So we have a psychological response to loss. And so it's human nature to prevent that pain, prevent that hurt. And importantly, they pointed out something called a reference point. So a reference point was brand new. It did not exist in utility theory because utilities theory kind of assumed everyone would act rationally the same. Whereas a reference point understands that people will make decisions based on where they are in that moment. And this is why it's essential because when we're working with deprived communities, people without financial safety nets, their reference point is very different to someone else's reference point who perhaps does have that safety net, which is why segmentation in marketing is absolutely essential. So if you think about your work programs and your campaigns, think about, well, how different does my audience respond to this loss? Do they perceive a loss? Is my current messaging triggering a loss when it doesn't need to? Am I talking more about gains than losses? Is human nature to focus on the losses? So they found in the research that we will quite naturally focus on what we're going to lose more than what we'll gain. So is it our job to actually make sure that we're shifting the narrative and making the gain, the gain that bigger, shinier, brighter, 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 (laughs) brighter thing? So ask yourself, do you understand your audience reference points? In 1995, the American Psychological Association studied the medal winners from the Barcelona Olympics. So they studied those wonderful Olympians who won their gold, silver and bronze medals. And it's a lovely way to um, illustrate the concept of the reference point because they found that silver winners were a lot unhappier than um, than bronze winners. And that's simply because their reference point was they were going for gold so they had lost something whereas often in training and expectations at a bronze medal um, winners level was actually the bronze was the highest and perhaps they'd get fourth or fifth place so they didn't lose um, and so that study was taken um, done by the American Psychological Association um, in 1995 really nice way to just understand the power of framing and the reference point. And ultimately, at the end of the day, these are economic theories. 
and they're based around probability, but they're really useful for us to have a kind of a broad brush, deeper understanding of people, especially if we know there's some easy wins we can make in our copy and we're focusing in on a loss and you can so easily shift it or I know my audience I thought I did but actually I don't because I don't know what their point of reference is I don't know what their reaction is to this loss and actually it could change your market research and your insight plan because you can might think I need to understand what the gains are if I'm going to shift the narrative to talk about the gains then what are they just to end on that a lovely way to see this in action is if you watch quiz games so Michael McIntyre's The Wheel, The Wheel, just have to do that. But Michael McIntyre's The Wheel is so clever. And actually, I find it quite unusual compared to the ones I watch anyway. So in Michael McIntyre's The Wheel, there are celebs sitting around a huge ring, huge circle, and it's up to them to answer every question. And by the end of the show, there is a ranking order of celebs, some high, Who's highest? Who's done the best? Who's the middle? Who's the worst? Got every question wrong? That would be me. So the participant, um, the guest, has to choose which guest they're going to go with to win the pot of money. Now, it is normally a huge pot by the end, but the risk of winning increases comparable to the correct answers of the celeb. So basically, you the least amount, the smallest pot, is you're supported by the celeb that won the most and the biggest pot you're supported by the celeb that well didn't have a clue and i love that when people are deciding and you can see everyone's brains literally moving and if you're with your family or friends you can hear people do this do that and everyone's answers are so different everyone's reference point is different if you're having a good day feeling a bit flush or if you're like, oh my God, it's the end of the month, it's January, you're joking. But what's interesting is in this game, everyone's reference point stays the same within the game, not within life, but within the game because they never bank any money. So there's, they have literally nothing to lose at the end. And as opposed to the quiz games, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, The Weakest Link, they bank during the game. So the tension mounts because actually they have more to lose. So their reference point changes. And so often you'll see that they will make me be much more cautionary. The next episode of The Busy Communicator's Guide to dot 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 will be systems thinking. Again, it will be led by Daniel Kahneman's work and the book Thinking Fast and Slow. And so I'm looking forward to chatting with you then and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please do let us know. We are really getting serious about the podcast this year. It is our new year goal. So if you could share the podcast or leave a review, we would be forever grateful. When we get our view downloads up, we are hoping to be sponsored. So that's a little personal goal that we would like to share with you as listeners, as we would love to grow it together with you. And also, if there is a topic that you would like us to focus on in these short, sharp episodes, then please, again, just give us a shout out and we can do that. And of course, if you are an expert and you want to share or you have a case study you want to share with colleagues across the profession, then please, again, let us know. Take care, everyone.